0: Presenting John Gabriel, the undisputed
1: king of stuff. What is up, PodCats? This is your favorite podcast host on your favorite podcast, The King of Stuff. I'm going to, it's only one week until Election Day, folks, and I will get into that and other news of the day, including the weird attack on Paul Pelosi, Chief Twit Elon Musk. We'll get to all that later. But first, an interview. An author who has written more books than I can count. Literally, I was unable to count them all, but he has a new one out. His name is Michael Walsh. You've probably heard his name and read his stuff. He's been doing conservative commentary on culture and politics for quite a while. His new book is called Against the Great Reset, 18 Theses Contra the New World Order. Um, This just features essays from him from Michael Anton, Angelo Cotovia, Douglas Murray, all sorts of people. So check that out. I just wanted to talk to him about that. His other work includes six novels, seven works of nonfiction, and a hit Disney movie. This guy has been everywhere. Uh, Before that, years ago, he was the classical music critic for Time magazine, won a bunch of awards in that role. Great to catch up with him. I uh, had um, a late evening of drinks with him gosh, five years ago, something like that now, in the pre-COVID days. So it's good to catch up with him on his latest book. So let's get to that interview. Michael Walsh, welcome to the show. You have a fantastic new book with, uh, I think, our listeners' favorite authors ever, just a several of them here. Gosh, you got Victor Davis Hanson, Michael Anton, Angelo Cotavia, who... Rest in peace, absolute genius. James Polos, we've had on several times. What is the deal behind this
0: book? Uh, well, you can thank Klaus Schwab uh, <laughs> and uh, the James Bond franchise, of course, because he's <laughs> the next villain, I'm told, in the, in the next right. Bond movie. And, and, uh, <clears throat> and who else? The World Economic Forum. Uh, I'd like to thank... It's an Oscar speech, John. Uh, uh, Thomas Mann for... Suggesting Davos as a city where nothing, as a little town where nothing good ever happens. Uh, and that's, of course, where the World Economic Forum is based. Yep. Uh, and uh, I'd, I'd like to thank uh, Germany and Switzerland in general for all that they've contributed to civilization in the last hundred years. It
1: seems like they've just uh, changed their idea of world conquest. And it's like, we can get these idiots
0: to agree to it peaceably on their own, it looks like. Yeah, well, they did, and it's very topical uh, for us to have a conversation today, because I, I saw this morning, after I woke up from my post-4,000-kitty Halloween attacking me uh, through my front door last night, oh, uh, I, I saw a piece in the Atlantic Ocean that said, it's time for COVID amnesty. Uh, isn't this just typical of these guys? Just typical. Typical that COVID was the beta test for the Great Reset. We'll get into details of that in a second. But the Great Reset wants to completely upend the way peons like you and me and all of our listeners live our lives and be subject to uh, sort of a kind of what they would consider benign totalitarianism. But they forced us to give up every constitutional protection they could with COVID, which was a lie from the start and continues to be a lie, And yet now they're saying, oh, you know, just because we locked you down and ruined your kids' education and destroyed the economy and put your mom and pop store out of business, don't hate us. Well, let's hate them. How about that? (laughs) I am a big fan of hate. And uh, having been banned from Twitter, Elon, if you're listening, dude, I I know I'm not high priority for you, but they knocked me off Twitter way before it was fashionable. So I'm kind of (laughs) proud of that. <clears throat> I was an early adoptee badge of honor. Uh, you know, they 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 are just pressuring us and now they they want us to forgive them. And I don't think we could or should. So the the great reset used, and <clears throat> they're quite explicit about this, they used COVID as the beta testing for how they're going to control the population. And you're absolutely right. Uh, the Germans decided they don't really need to go out and spend all that money on tanks and stuff. You know, because in the end, they lose anyway. So they might as well just take over the world through uh, a, a fascist collaboration of businesses and government. And that is the classic definition of fascism. I know on the left that they call us fascists if they don't like us. You know, whether <laughs> you're, you're a fascist. Uh, but they have no idea what it means. But actual Mussolini and Hitlerian fascists. Uh, is the collaboration between the government and the captains of industry to dominate uh, the world, and that's what we're seeing.
1: And then the futurists also had um, a hand in fascism. This is uh, the movement of the future, and we're we are going to use the latest technology, and we're going to change everything. No. Yeah, uh, gr- great reset, folks have that
0: nailed as well. Yeah, they well, you know, they've got the tech the tech guys on their team. They have a lot of people on their team. Let's just give right. uh, listeners to who don't know anything about it uh, a quick pricey. It's uh, something called the Work- World Economic Forum. It's founded by Klaus Schwab, who's a German businessman of a certain age, by villain age, one might say. And he uh, has pulled together his friends from all over the world to come to Davos once a year for a big conference. They all fly in on their private jets and talk about climate change. Uh, and... <laughs> And uh, green energy, uh, net zero, and all of this idiotic, uh, uh, f- fantastic, literally fantastic ideas that these people have. And then they go out and start spreading this poison all over the planet. One of the big honchos there is uh, the, uh, the new uh, sovereign of the house of saxe coburg Gotha. Oh, sorry. Whoops. I forgot they changed their name, didn't they, during World War I? The Windsors. That's who I was thinking <laughs> right. of. Right. Uh yeah, once a German, always a German, and uh, they're on board with this naturally, and uh, you name it, uh, and they they also recruit young people and they make them fellows of their institute. So uh, the uh, prime minister of Canada, what's what's is this Castro? Oh B? yeah, Castro is it, is it? Jr. Castro Jr. Uh, <laughs> he's a member naturally. So yeah, you know it really is a collection of Bond villains, and 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 we're in it unfortunately. So. Our book, uh, I, I was nice, uh, fortunate enough, rather, to uh, uh, convince uh, uh, some of the most prominent uh, uh, elder statesmen, and some junior ones, but more, 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 mostly elder statesmen of the center-right movement, to uh, chime in on various <laughs> aspects of the Great Reset. And So we've divided it into six set- sections of three essays apiece. Um, because I was the editor, I gave myself Two essays. Uh, one was just the introduction, and one was the final essay. But the the meat of the order, the twenty seven Yankees, you know, the Ruth, and Gehrig, and everybody of this team, uh, can be found in Conrad Anton. Sorry, uh, Conrad Black, Michael Anton, uh, Douglas Murray, who's one of the younger members of the of the crew. Uh, David Goldman. Uh, we have uh, people from Australia, Canada. Uh, Great Britain, we deliberately decided to try to get authors from all quarters of the anglosphere. And I think we've succeeded to a large extent. And I'm happy that uh, you're interested in talking about it.
1: Yeah, definitely. And the Great Reset, it really, um, <clears throat> during the whole early stages of COVID, a lot of people started talking about the Great Reset and the World Economic Forum. And of course, the media dutifully says these are all conspiracy theories. And uh, those of us who had actually, I don't know, informed ourselves said, no, this they're bragging about it. They've been, yeah,
0: <laughs> they are some talking about the, here's an entire website theory. they created. Right, they created called the Great Reset. And then they say, Yeah, but this is a conspiracy theory. right. <laughs> you know what crazy planet have I suddenly found myself on? But that's the left, John. And you you and I have talked about this in the past. And We've seen them do this over and over and over. They will literally say, who are you going to believe, me or your lying eyes? They, right. they literally do that. And so with this COVID piece now in the Atlantic, uh, it's time for a COVID amnesty, as if nothing had happened, that they weren't responsible for it in any way, shape, or form. And now they, and yet they come to beg forgiveness. I mean, the goal of these people is stupefying, but you, you, they never let you down, I'll say that for
1: yeah, and Randy Weingarten was one of the first to promote that article. I think this is a great idea, that we should have an amnesty for everybody who, I don't know, ruined children's lives, ruined right. parents' lives, um, kept uh, children away from
0: their folks in uh, long-term care homes. It's just mm-hmm. horrifying. Isn't that stunning? Every, it, 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 she's a monster. So every single teacher that collaborated with her should be fired by their municipalities. And without severance, without and just what Musk is doing to, you know, the H one B one crew from Bangalore that, until five minutes ago, ran Twitter, is you're fired, no golden parachute, no severance, get out, gone. That's it. And that's exact. A, a, until we punish these people for what they're doing to us, John, we're not going to win. We're going to sit here in our own little ghettos and complain and have our own little private conferences, and nothing will change. But until you're ready to face them, and face them down and demand accountability. They're always screaming about accountability. Well, how about a little from your side, champ, Randy Weingart? My foot.
1: <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And, but I, what I understand is if we're just nice to them and show them our superior virtues, yeah, that'll they'll just that change their
0: minds all of a sudden. Oh, sure. Well, it worked so well for National Review, didn't it? Oh, <clears throat> uh, a magazine that literally committed suicide in front of everyone. And drove away all of his best writers uh, over this idea of why, why you know, why can't we just speak sternly to them? As the line from Blondel goes, or one of the Tim Rice shows, uh, <laughs> instead of fighting with them. Yeah, why can't we be kind? What's that song by Noel Coward? Uh, uh, uh. Let's not be beastly to the Hun or something like that. He wrote it during World War II. You know, right. if we just re—if we just reason with them, uh, they'll be fine the next time. Well, they won't be fine. And the left is as malevolent as the Hun was. And the only way the Hun got stopped was <laughs> by squeezing it between the Russians and the and Patton. Uh, and this is—we have to do something similar to these people uh, uh, on the economic level, on the social level. Uh, on every avenue that we have to call them out uh, and shame them, then it's it's our duty as patriotic, God-fearing, red-blooded Americans, in my opinion.
1: Well, I just showed my eldest daughter two days ago the Patton speech, and my favorite part about George C. Scott's portrayal is he never calls them Germans. He calls them the Hun. Mm-hmm. or nazis and uh yeah she was uh like wow okay this i'm like these are pretty much his actual words except they had to edit out a lot of the profanity but yeah. i think that's the attitude we need uh going in wade into them shoot them in the belly you know mm-hmm. that's what
0: we need to be doing yeah well you know that's uh that was pat Patton's idea and uh, Patton uh, he, he will be in, in the new book that i'm uh, writing now which is actually a Successor to the previous one, Last Stand, which was all about military history, Last Stand, Custer's Last Stand, et cetera. Yep. Uh, I'm looking at great commanders through history, starting with Alexander, uh, and uh, going to I, someone who will surprise everybody by, by the last chapter. But I wanted to do the Battle of I wanted to do the Battle of Sommeel and the Battle of the Bulge because they're the exact same battle, thirty years apart, exact same battle, exact same place exact same combatants, exact same everything. And nobody learned from the first one. So they had to learn from the second one. So Patton decided we're going to put a stop to this. And, you know, in retrospect, he was right that they probably should have gone into... Eisenhower made them stop uh, outside of Berlin and give that city to the Russians. They they probably should have gone all the way. But, you know, what a critic should have.
1: Yeah, exactly. And let's not make that same mistake. Now, one thing that must really frustrate uh, our unelected betters in the WEF, Klaus Schwab mm-hmm. et al, is that um, the people are getting a little annoyed. It, it just seems like the people in general are on to them, and that includes many um, of my fellow peons on the left. There's just mm-hmm. a lot of people saying, wait a minute, what the heck is going on here? And you saw it with the truckers in Canada, and uh, you're just seeing it every few weeks. There's something that the cathedral tries to sell, tries to cram down the people's throat. And people are like, no, 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 no.
0: This, Not this, this time. This isn't yeah. right. Yeah. Well, I was just thinking about this, this whole idea that they, that they can do this to us and we won't notice. It came home to me when I was assigning these essays. And, you know, almost everybody I asked was able to do it, fortunately. But then I asked my writers uh, as the book was coming out to get comments from, you know, people in for the book, for the blurbs, et cetera, for the back of the book jacket. And one of our Brits wrote back to me and he said, I just showed this to a college professor, very distinguished university professor friend of mine who said, this is bollocks. It's all a wing conspiracy. Uh, it, 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 I opened my essay just talking about COVID and how it was very likely, and I wrote this what a year and a half ago now, formed in, by the Chinese in the Wuhan Lab of Virology. And it was partly weaponized by Fauci with this gain of function research money. And even six few months ago, they were laughing at that. Oh, no, you know, obviously it's, it, it's the product of the Chinese farmers for back butt soup. Uh, what else could it be? Well, we know that it was formed in a lab in, in China, and it's been weaponized, and just apropos of nothing except China, uh, they've now locked down Shanghai Disney Lab, and they've locked the people that were there in uh, because they're pursuing this of zero, zero COVID, which is very similar to Net zero in the West, uh, mandate. Uh, that's how far these extremist governments are prepared to go. They feel very free with your lives. And of course, China, historically, they've been very free with their own people's lives. They've killed hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of people, not in wars with other countries, with themselves. So right now you're seeing what this sort of fascism looks like at its finest.
1: And governments um, of the once free world, um, in America, you see it some... Canada is us a couple of years from now, I think. Instead of yeah. looking at this and being outraged, they're taking notes.
0: Well, the Canadians uh, disgraced themselves thoroughly, as did the Australians, by the way. Um,
1: yeah, they were extremely
0: harsh there. And, and it was a shock to everybody because you expect the Australians and the Canadians, you know, they're nice guys. There's not that many of them. How bad can it be? And they, they overnight went full fascist on us which is startling to everybody, uh, and allegedly in, in Australia under a conservative government. So what protection do you have when your own government turns against you?
1: And what do you think, um, what, what drives me crazy too, and when I've batted around with people about this issue is who elected these idiots? Um, we need to protect our democracy. I know I hear that 10 times a day uh, when I don't watch CNN, I guess I should say, I don't actually watch it, but, um, democracy is so important. Uh, nobody elected these people. Nobody promoted Bill Gates to buy up, you know, millions of hectares of our farmland. Uh, no one is pushing these people to ruin our lives, essentially. Um, how do they think
0: they're going to get away with it? Well, that's a a good question. I think they they think they're going to get away with it because they are getting away with it. Who's going to stop them? Uh, you know, uh, Ron DeSantis, uh, the next president of the United States, uh, is going to try to stop the Chinese from buying up land in Florida, uh, which you would think any self-respecting country would do. But then again, you'd think the self-respecting country wouldn't have an open southern border either. Uh, the, The hardest thing for us, John, I know you've discovered this with your followers too, is for us to realize just how evil these people are. They're not nice. They're not good. They don't have the interest of humanity in, in, in mind. They're very similar to the Marxists. And when you bring that up, they go, "Well, we have nothing to do with Marx, blah, blah, we go Yes, you do. You know what it is? He was a monster. So are you. How about that? But why don't we start with that? The rest of it is commentary and programs. But why are we letting Bill Gates buy up? Land everywhere. Why, well, the oligarchs can now buy the entire country if they want to. So then what? Then where are you? Where's your, you know, where do you live? Well, you're going to go live in a high rise provided by the government. Oh, what are you going to drive? Well, there's no gas in anymore because we outlawed that. So you'll drive in an electric car. Yeah, but electricity is really expensive. Ha, ha, ha. That's catch 22. Where's where's Heller, Joe Joe Heller we need him again. Uh, that's the catch 22. Uh, and then I like hamburgers. Well, no, you don't, because there's no more farmland, because there's no more cows, because they fart and cause global warming. So eat a bug. Here, have some delicious fat butt soup and bugs. Is that the world you want to live in? Not the one I want.
1: No, no, not at all. Now, I have a theory. I brought this up with uh, Matthew Peterson from Claremont. Yeah. Uh, since he had recently decamped from California. Um, you're uh, very familiar with the West Coast. It seems like California, a lot of times, uh, not in the way their government thinks, is broadcasting from the future. Because I remember five, eight years ago, I have lots of Californian friends who are conservatives. And I was like, okay, you guys got to calm down a little. You're a little too conspiratorial, ex- conspiratorial, excuse me. You keep saying the world's ending. It's not, the left I don't know. I hate them too, but they're not going to gain that much power. Um, I view California conservatives now as, oh, you guys were right. Uh, So so there was always this almost desperate tinge to warnings that from all my friends in California. And I thought they were carried away. I just hadn't experienced it yet. Um, What has happened to California? um, it, It seems like a trial ground for the WEF and the great reset.
0: Yeah. Uh, California is the, the land of fruits and nuts, as they say sometimes. And it's it's my semi-native, uh, quasi-home state. I've lived there as a child. I've lived there as a young man. I've lived there as, during my Hollywood screenwriter period. Uh, so I've lived in the Bay Area, in San Diego, and in Los Angeles. Uh, and I love California, but it was essentially infiltrated and destroyed uh, by uh, people from Cultures that were not, that had no skin in the game of California. The men that built California from the mid-19th century on, uh, and certainly in the 20th, did things like, oh, we need water. Okay, we better dam that river. We better bring this water from the Sierra Nevada down into Southern California. we got to build roads because this is a big, great, big, long state. We've got to desalinize. We, We have all sorts of infrastructure to build in order to make it work. The people who arrived in California accepted the infrastructure at first because it gave them a nice lifestyle. Now they've turned on the infrastructure. We can't have nuclear plants in California, why not? Well, because. So they, they started shutting them down and taxing everything and preventing new uh, any uh, dams, roads, or bridges from being built. And they've paralyzed the state by using its, its, its beneficence against it now, think of them as like scorpions or some kind of uh, poisonous animal that can sting the host to death but kill it slowly and that's what's happened in california uh, the the you want to almost call them the five families the mafia that runs california which is the getty family and uh, newsom is a member of this the uh Pelosi, hey, how about that Pelosi family, huh, boys and girls? Um, oh my and, and, gosh! Yeah.
1: <laughs> For an eighty-four-year-old dude, Paul Pelosi. Yeah. He keeps some. Uh, he spends. So he keeps some very late hours with peculiar people. It's just well, so- he does,
0: and he's managed to get himself into trouble twice in just a month, too. Isn't yeah. that interesting? Well, anyway, the the, the the gang that it's mostly Northern California that controls Southern California. Hollywood never took over the state. It it gives the state its self image. Uh, and it contributes a lot of money, but the 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 real the real capos live uh, up in the Bay Area. Anyway, they 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 have uh, like you know shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves in three generations. Uh, what their grandfathers and great grandfathers created, they're now destroying. And and we see this too with, uh, the, with Washington. I mean, did anyone think that Biden would be not just this awful because he's always been a horrible bully, stupid moron? And, and nobody in Washington had any respect for his intelligence at all, ever. They never did. And he's, he was always an open joke. But when it came to they had to defeat Trump, they had to put someone, the least objectionable person and the least functional person uh, possible into that White House. And now they've effectively become an engine of destruction. <laughs> and hopefully we can Start to this back. Hey, if you Arizonans would actually do your job this time, maybe we can we can stop this. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm thinking that we can and we will. Uh, Carrie Lake has been leading in the polls for several weeks now. She was supposed to be very easy to defeat. The Democrats yeah. assured me and many um, Republicans, I guess I'll call them. Um, oh yeah, she's the worst candidate, and uh, it'll be a, a walk-off run for the Democrats if she wins. Well, yeah, now she's the worst nightmare of Democrats, and Blake Masters has been surging for a month straight. I think they're, I think they're both going to win. We will see in a week yeah. or so, depending on how long the count takes.
0: Well, um, Masters, I don't know much about. He hasn't had much <clears throat> national uh, exposure. But Kerry Lake is very similar to Trump. As you recall, in the run-up to Trump, I was an early Trump supporter, and I took a lot of heat from my followers, uh, not on Twitter anymore, but uh, on Facebook and other places, to say that Trump was the guy that could win and was, in fact, the only guy who could win. And he did. But the Democrats and a lot of Republicans thought, oh, he's definitely going to lose. This is the easiest possible candidate for us to defeat. And then they went and put up an even worse candidate in the form of Mrs. Clinton. Uh, Now, I don't think that Trump would be wise to run again. I think he'll be humiliated if he does. And I think if he challenges DeSantis in the primaries, he'll be demolished. And you, you don't, you know, it's like Tom Brady. He's now going out flat on his ass and minus his wife. You know, had he just retired a year ago, who knows what would have happened? He would have gone out on top, greatest quarterback of all time, you know. And now he's just another athlete whose time has caught up to. And I'm afraid the same is true of the former president. Even though I supported him, and obviously if he runs, I'll vote for him. But I do think that we need somebody younger like DeSantis, who's who has shown me a quality that I haven't seen in a Republican candidate in ages. Certainly not in uh, Willard Mitt, uh, which is a ruthlessness to do and then talk about not to talk it to death, and then not do it. And that was the, the, the ultimate problem of the Trump administration. Was It talked a good game, but it folded in the first month, the first month when Pence engineered his coup against Flynn, and that was the end of it. It was. And after that, it was a succession of Omarosa Manigo and Anthony Scaramucci, or whatever his name was. Uh, really, really a lost opportunity. And I hope that the DeSantis people with whom I'm, Very, very, very vague touch because he keeps them very tight. Uh, They they know this, and you know all they're waiting for is a is a victory in Florida next week, and then you'll see the campaign ramp up uh, to a huge extent. And I think the vice president will be Tulsi Gabbard. Speaking of of WEF, and I've been saying this for more than a year too. I think she has the qualities that are really unbeatable on the Republican side. And at that time, yeah, but she's a Democrat, she's a lefty man, 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 you know, the usual way. And I remind them, well, Trump was a Democrat too, you idiot. And it, and it took a Democrat to be able to beat a Democrat. It did. And I think that uh, Ms. Gabbard has, you know, this combination of brains and beauty and the personal story and the, the mixed race background, and military background. What more do you want, really? So I think Carrie Lake was great, but, you know, you, you, our team gets very, enthousi- they get enthusiastic over, over nothing, when nothing's happened yet. So give her some time. But DeSantis has proved himself, and I think Gabbard would be a very, she, she eviscerated Kamala in, in the debate. She ended Kamala's presidential campaign. So who wouldn't want to see that again? I liked that <laughs> for the first time. And she might be opposing Kamala yet again. Yet again, but it'd be like not too, even better than the original. So uh, (laughs) uh, who wouldn't pay to see that Uh, Yeah, I don't don't think we're going to get it because I think the Democrats are going to come up with two entire people. They have to because they can't stick with this group.
1: Oh, yeah, it's it, it keeps getting worse. And once again, uh, they thought that they could fool people. And now we'll just build a fake uh, Oval Office set and wheel yeah. him out <laughs> on a part. gurney when he needs to sign something and uh, try to use Easter Bunny costumes to keep the press away from him. Um, it's not working. His own party sees through it and is like, there's something not right here.
0: Yeah. But remember, just like with the Atlantic today, there is nothing they won't do or say. And, and butter won't melt in their mouth, it, it, like with the, with the Easter Bunny taking this doddering, senile idiot away from the, the rope line, uh, they will defy you to say what just happened and is on videotape did not, in fact, happen. They'll defy you to do it. So yeah. the most obvious explanation for the Paul Pelosi mess is everybody knows exactly what the most obvious explanation is. And yet they will Go to their graves, swearing that a convoluted set of circumstances invo- involving mushrooms and aliens from Mars uh, created this mess. And and you're supposed to say, oh, oh okay, I guess so. We don't fight back. Much. Our messaging is terrible, and I, I I don't know how to how to change that. We're all individuals here. We we don't operate as a wolf pack the way the media lefty media does. and, and let me just say this about the media because i you know i started media i spent 25 years uh getting paychecks from prominent media companies like gannett where i started and hearst where i was in san francisco and you know most of all uh, time incorporated when it was a great company and greatest magazine in the world Uh, so i've known all these guys since i was 22 and a lot of them you know haven't died off or still around and they are just as malevolent now as they were then, but then they were in the closet. Now, they don't feel like they have to be in the closet. They, they are perfectly happy being uh, advocates. You know, journalism neutrality is long gone, and they're proud of it. They're proud of it. They once preached it, but now that that doctrine is no longer useful, uh, as the Chinese say when they welch on a contract, they've done to me, circumstances have changed. Okay. Yeah, but you signed a contract. Uh, circumstances have changed, and in other words, trying to come come to China, to try to get the money, but right, yeah, you ain't gonna. Well, that's the left. No wonder they love the China. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Well, the book once again is called "Against the Great Reset: Eighteen Theses Contra the New World Order." Um, very reminiscent of the 95 Theses, Martin Luther, hammered it out. We- we just and had, had
0: that an, well, the, the anniversary of that was yesterday. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Yeah.
1: I was raised a good Lutheran. I'm Orthodox now, but yeah. So I had a lot of, uh, I had uh, the whole here I stand narrative uh, pounded into me from a young, from a young age, but where can people
0: mm-hmm. find your work, find your book, all that great stuff? Well, uh, not on Twitter, except maybe, me I mean, I've applied for reinstatement, so we'll see. <clears throat> uh the best best place to follow me right now is on Facebook. Uh, so just look for the book cover. Uh, it's a big yellow thing with a hand and a and a you know the the European road sign for "Do Not Enter." You know, stop. So uh, it's, as you say, it's against the Great Reset, eighteen theses against the new comfort, the new world order, and the new world order. By the way, let's just remind people that's the phrase Hitler used uh, a lot. Uh, de, de, de uh, it's, it is in German, and it was also used by the worst president in American history, except for maybe Joe Biden, which is George Herbert Walker Bush, who, after the collapse of the wall, did absolutely nothing to help out the people of Eastern Europe, and instead talked about how what a great opportunity this was to institute a new world order. So these guys have been at it for a long time and and, and you'll know them by the company they keep and by the phrases that they use. So when you hear the new world order, reach for your gut, because you know, there's a fight.
1: Right. All right. Michael Walsh. Thanks so much for uh, being here, being on the show. Everybody check out that book. And we'll of course include lots and lots of links in the show notes. So you can uh, purchase the, book and uh, follow everything that Michael Walsh does. Thanks for being on.
0: Thanks, John. Much appreciated.
1: Okay, since I mentioned it during the interview, yes, I have watched and rewatched Patton's Great Speech. George C. Scott played the role in the 1970 movie about uh, General George S. Patton. It was one of my dad's favorite films, so I watched it with him many times, and uh, I thought, you know what, I should play this now heading into the midterms. This should be our attitude, walking in to the polling place.
2: You know, my God, I actually pity those poor bastards we're going up against. By God, I do. We're not just going to shoot the bastards. We're going to cut out their living guts and use them to grease the treads of our tanks. We're going to murder those lousy Hun bastards by the bushel. Now... Some of you boys, I know, are wondering whether or not you'll chicken out under fire. Don't worry about it. I can assure you that you will all do your duty. The Nazis are the enemy. Wade into them. Spill their blood. Shoot them in the belly. When you put your hand into a bunch of goo that a moment before was your best friend's face, you know what to do. Now, there's another thing I want you to remember. I don't want to get any messages saying that we are holding our position. We're not holding anything. Let the Hun do that. We are advancing constantly, and we're not interested in holding on to anything except the enemy. We're going to hold on to him by the nose, and we're going to kick him in the ass. We're going to kick the hell out of him all the time, and we're going to go through him like crap through a goose.
1: Get after it, people. Let's get after it. All right, uh, let's do a midterms wrap-up. Things are still trending the Republicans' way. We've been seeing this for a while now, and not even looking at just the polls alone, the head-to-head contests. But also just what people are finding out that voters are concerned about. What they're concerned about is the economy, inflation, crime, the border. That's what they care about. Democrats aren't talking about these things at all. And when they do talk about them, they like make fun of them like they're a non-issue. In the Lee Zeldin versus Kathy Hochul race for governor in New York – Kathy Hochul made fun of her opponent for bringing up crime so much. I don't know why this is so important to you. She just laughed it off. Not good. Not good at all. Tim Ryan is getting plastered. Even friendly media fi- figures are asking him, now you passed this big Inflation Reduction Act. Is that actually going to reduce inflation? And he had to admit, no, it isn't. In Arizona, my home state, things are heating up. Now you have the Democrats running against the Democrats. It's really crazy to see Mark Kelly has been uh, saying how evil Republicans are forever. In the past couple of weeks, he has completely flipped his message. Now he's in opposition to Joe Biden, whom he always votes with, just brags about how he's sticking it to the man in Washington. It's just really strange to see. And to see these races where in the polls are still close, like Blake Masters versus Mark Kelly, you have Democrats just flooding the zone with money. They would not be pouring money into these races if they were anything but um, on a razor's edge. So we will see how that turns out. John Fetterman has been on media on CNN. He's been in town halls where he was asked about, well, you opposed fracking, Uh, which he said at the time in 2018, I don't support fracking at all. And I never have. Now he's saying, oh, I'm completely supportive of fracking and I've never opposed it. So he continues his meltdown. And finally, the press is getting a little concerned about his uh, inability to uh, handle interviews, I would include a couple audio links, but they're just painful to listen to. We know what he sounds like from his debate last week, and uh, he is not getting any better, to say the least. Also in Arizona, there in the Senate race, there was a Libertarian candidate who was getting two to three percent of the vote. This kind of matters in the Mountain West, especially. We have this weird independent streak out here, and so you always get people voting for the Libertarian. He has stepped out of the race with one week to go before the actual election, and through his support and completely endorsed Blake Masters. Now, again, this most of the polls you see is Mark Kelly versus Blake Masters is within the margin of error. So it's very close. I think Blake's going to pull it out, especially with a big Kerry Lake victory for governor. But this uh, Libertarian dude, pull it out, is a very good sign. Uh, he's definitely – Blake definitely has the momentum in this. So good on the Libertarian for stepping away uh, because that wouldn't help clarify the election. Is basically the longer he stayed in it, the more he helped Mark Kelly. It's just not going to be a good thing. Liz Cheney is racing around the country to endorse Democrats. Gee, what a shock. She, enjo- she endorsed Tim Ryan in Ohio, who's about to get clobbered by J.D. Vance. She endorsed, gosh, who else? Mark Kelly. She endorsed Katie Hobbs, the atrocious Democratic candidate for Arizona governor. And uh, all the Republicans who are being targeted by Liz Cheney are just giving effusive thanks to her because she has zero constituency outside of green rooms in uh, Manhattan and Washington, D.C. And all she does is energize Republicans to vote And gets shrugs uh, from the Democrats. So, um, this will redound to the Republicans' benefits. How she thinks she has any power in this situation after she just got destroyed in her own primary in Wyoming, it's beyond me. But uh, I don't know. These people live in their own bubble, I guess. And talking about the midterms, I actually just had an article uh, posted on Tuesday on CNN.com. I have not sold out people. Don't worry. I'm still the same old king of stuff, the humble king of stuff you've always known and loved. But they asked me just to give a perspective on Arizona in general. So it's not like uh, nuts and bolts. Here's what's going on in the race. And more talks about the Arizona attitude towards politics and how contrarian we are. And if everybody in D.C. tells us to vote for candidate A, we will enthusiastically vote for candidate B. That's kind of how we operate out here. And that's why we will often flip between Dem and GOP and sometimes independent candidates come out of nowhere. So it's a curious state and I love it here, but uh, CNN asked me to write about it. I don't know if I will be writing more for them or if they'll have me host a show in the near future. They should check me out look at me right now. I'm looking direct into the camera. Oh yeah. This isn't video. This is audio only. I'm looking directly into the microphone. Look, a face made for television. Okay. Face made for podcasts more appropriately, but, uh, we will see if I write more for them. And I was also interviewed about Arizona by the blaze. Um, so please go back in time a couple hours, uh, because a couple hours before I posted this, I was on blaze TV. So, uh, I hope you enjoy that. And now we have the situation with Paul Pelosi. Paul Pelosi. Um, The media handled it the typical way. Some initial reports were out there. They seemed just strange. All the details of this seemed weird. They, of course, immediately said, oh, he was attacked by a mega, ultra, mega, fascist, whatever the word is, whatever the descriptor is today for any Republican's Of course, it turns out the attacker is just a crazy person. He says he has conversations with angels and fairies, and he thought he was Jesus Christ for a while, which I don't believe he is. In my uh, theological background, I do not think this guy uh, fits the bill on that count. He ended up attacking Paul Pelosi with a hammer. Details are sketchy. They're weird. And uh, a lot of conservatives got nailed for, oh, you're promoting conspiracy theories saying that maybe it was some kind of a tryst he was invited over. Guys in the media, you immediately ran with this. It's obviously evil Republican rhetoric that is to blame for this, when it was obviously not that case. That's how you get conspiracy theories. That's how you get people just making up ideas. I wonder if such and such happened and running with it. It's because we are a low-trust society. Nobody trusts the press now. Uh, Their rankings are, I don't know, in the teens maybe. On a good day, people don't trust them, and they're used to being lied to by the press. And when they don't think they have anyone they can turn to that they trust, they're going to make up kooky theories. So some kookier than others. Um, All I can say, we don't obviously know the details about it, but I will say, uh, pair this with his DUI last month when he was with an undisclosed male uh, driving back from Napa or something like that. For an 84-year-old man, Paul Pelosi keeps very late hours with very peculiar people. I will say that. There's a lot about the story that still doesn't add up. Obviously, it isn't some kind of a mega attack. The best case scenario uh, for Democrats and their uh, wonderful image is just that it was a random crazy person who went in there, grabbed a hammer, and started hitting Paul Pelosi everything about it is just weird. They must have had insanely strong security at the Pelosi mansion in San Francisco. Uh, They have a personal detail for security. I would assume these people are billionaires, folks. They have a little bit more than a ring doorbell cam uh, to protect them. So the whole thing is just odd. We don't know the details. And yeah, best case scenario for Democrats is just a random crazy person who went in there and attacked. But for all the tut-tutting Conspiracy theories, first off, there are just as many conspiracy theories on the left. (coughs) Russia, 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 that conspiracy theory lasts four years, and some people on the left still believe in it, that Trump was a secret Russian agent. So to say that one side is to blame for conspiracy theory is crazy, but also this is what happens when nobody can trust anybody else. There was a lot of uh, studies going on about the Arab world during the Gulf War Uh, during the war on terror, about how many um, crazy conspiracy theories spread like wildfire wildfire, in Afghanistan and Iraq and in other Muslim-majority nations. And it all came down to these are very low-trust societies. They are usually run by autocrats, so they don't trust what they say. And the press is also run by autocrats. And they don't trust what they say. And then sometimes you'll have a media organization outside of their country that opposes their own government. So they have an agenda too. So they don't trust those people much either. So they triangulate and concoct their own theories, which get more and more bizarre as time goes on. The less people trust uh, the government and the press, the more they're going to lean into conspiracy theories, no matter how crazy Because people feel like, oh, they've lied to me before many, many times, so I'm assuming they're lying to me now, so let me get down to what really happened. Obviously, we don't know what really happened with Paul Pelosi, and the details probably won't come out for a while, but to try to blame this on Republican rhetoric is insane. Any Republican rhetoric that has been anti-Nancy Pelosi pales in comparison to what was thrown at, say, Donald Trump, and frankly, all Republicans— who are now cast as some kind of uh, neo-Nazis or something like that. So media, you created this yourself. Do better. The last thing I want to cover is Elon Musk. Thursday, late Thursday, he carried a sink into Twitter headquarters and uh, seized the domain for himself. He's fired upper management, especially the censors among those people. He has brought in a few consultants, mostly buddies from his PayPal days, including David Sachs who uh, I believe has been interviewed on the flagship podcast at at least and is uh, the uh, guy in charge of creating call in an app where you can kind of do mini on the fly and live podcasts. So I'm looking forward to it. There's been a lot of uh, complaining on the left. I'm going to leave. And then their account's still active three days later. I guess they want to be begged not to leave and kind of nobody cares. It's mostly like C and D list celebrities. And you're like, eh, okay, I think we will survive without your uh, brilliant content. There's also been talk about people who are verified are going to have to pay. They were saying 20 bucks a month. I think Elon came out with some proposal where it's $8 a month. All this is fine. He's trying to turn a profit here. And I am one of the holy, almighty, blue, checkmark, verified uh, commentators. I'm not going to pay for it. Are you kidding me? I'm cheap. I'm really cheap. and Man, I could buy like four packs of ramen with that every month. That's a pretty sweet deal. But it's his site. He can do what he wants. And it's kind of the attitude I had when I know I was being shadow banned or my engagements were being cranked down a bit. At least I've heard that from many people. And I didn't care because the owners do what the owners do. And I will post what I want to post there. And if I get canned, that's fine. And if I don't. That's fine. I don't need Twitter to survive. Um, So whatever he wants to do, I hope he comes up with a bunch of different experiments, tries a bunch of things out. I doubt he's going to get a ton of money from people just wanting to hold on to that blue tick on their account. I don't see it as being very valuable. Uh, One reason that I signed up for it. Twitter opened uh, verification. This was four or five years ago. They opened it up to anybody. They're like, uh, let us know, send us your ID, and we will verify you. I did it because there's another guy going by the name John Gabriel who hawks a uh, some kind of a fly-by-night, lame, psychic diet plan. The worst part, this guy is out of Australia, and his name isn't actually John Gabriel. It's John Gabriel something. But yeah, he's got, I don't know what his last name was, Lipschitz or something embarrassing. So he dumped that and calls himself John Gabriel. And I saw him bounce around Twitter and it's like, I want to get verified as John Gabriel before this a-hole does. And I did. He isn't very active on Twitter anymore. I guess he's still uh, hawking his snake oil somewhere. But That's the main reason I wanted to be verified um, since I don't think he will be challenging me. Um, oh, also, if you do an image search for John Gabriel, he's usually the first guy to pop up. There's this first picture of him where he looks like he's 400 pounds or something like that. And then he's all svelte and thin and sexy and cool. in the second one. So uh, a few people have tried to burn me by saying, is this you? And I say, yes, I'm the heavy version of that photo. But yes, that that ap- absolutely is me. And I still get emails every couple of months, people complaining and wanting their money back from my diet plan. And uh, I just delete those usually. I used to be polite and say, that ain't me. That's another guy in Australia and his name isn't John Gabriel, but uh, I got tired of that. So, Elon, good for you. I've noticed a lot of new followers, but not some huge influx, like probably 400 new followers in the past week, which is good, but it's not, you know, earth shattering or anything like that because mine kind of. My uh, follower numbers go up and down and uh, they're very flaky. I would expect them once Elon roots out a lot of the bots and stuff, mine will probably plummet because I get um, most of my new followers tend to be um, young female stock image models who either are very faithful, honest and humble and want to show me a good time. Or now they must know that I'm older now. Now they just want to sell me crypto, which kind of hurts my feelings. Um But yeah, all those accounts are probably going to go bye-bye pretty quickly. I'm sure there's some algorithm he could just scoop them all out. So my numbers will probably plummet and uh it's fine. Twitter's not the real world, folks. All right. And now the all-important song of the week. This one's called Over and Out, a band I've just heard of Called Pile of Love. They're kind of a indie super group, but the groups they're in normally aren't super duper famous. I happen to have seen them, uh, a couple of them in concert before. But they call themselves Pile of Love, and what they did is that their normal sounds and their normal bands are punk or pop punk or hard rock, I guess you could, I don't know what else to call it. But they just started noodling around on stuff and came out with this perfect little power pop album. So uh, here is a track. Catchy, catchy, catchy. It reminds you of like 90s era power pop, super drag, fountains of Wayne, stuff like that. So pretty unexpected tunes from them. And that is it for the podcast. Remember, one week till election time. Get out there and vote, vote, vote. And please remember to subscribe if you haven't already. Rate, rank, review this fine podcast wherever you have downloaded it from. And I'll talk to you next week. I'm planning on recording, by the way, on Wednesday, so we have a little better idea what the heck happened in the election. But I'll talk with you then. Ricochet.
0: Join the conversation.